Hey guys, this is Rob and wh what? Why are you doing it again? Well, I, I, I can do it better. Roll your shoulders. Oh, rolling. No, just once. Okay. <laughs> do I have to undo it now? <laughs> hey guys, this is Rob and welcome to question number 15. Wait, you can be creative and have your shit together. It's my interview with Matt Patrick and this is part one. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, I want to define this conversation. Get your head off the mic. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I just touched my lashes. <laughs> I'm bored. Okay. Uh, we have to drink Guinness. Drink Guinness. Have that, the phone call. Okay. Uh, I need to find that this is part one of part two. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. And then I want, do you want to do the question? What question? From someone. I have a question to ask you that someone email me. Mm. Oh, Strider, get out of the studio. Hold on. I'm gonna just... Hey, Strider Man. He knows. He's so cute, though. Okay. Part one of my conversation with Matt. So here's the deal with this, and help me help me explain this because I I talked with you about this. Mm -hmm. I really don't want this to be a music podcast. When I set out to do this, I did not set out just to interview musicians. There's enough of those out there. I want to do something where anybody that's creative can take something with it because not be, not just because I want to reach more people or talk to more people, but it's because I have this belief that if you can get past the what someone does and figure out why they do it and who they are, that that's something that can that can cross the barriers of no matter what you do for a job or a living or whatever you're interested in, people can pull that from. Because of that, oh, hold on. Do you want to get us first? We're sitting here too long. Yeah, that is true. Fix it. Oh. Let's have a Guinness. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. What are we drinking? We are drinking the Hop House Lager from Guinness. This was part of a variety pack. You know, I pour these beers so you can hear it, but it ends up resulting in like half foam. Yeah, no one okay. else needs to know that. Okay, I won't put that in there then. The interesting thing about this beer, it is literally the Hop 13 Lager. Oh. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So this is, here, I'll give you this one. I'll pour this one. Oh, I was supposed stuff. to say the 13. Is it? I thought it was just Hop House Lager. Hop House Lager 13. There's a 13 in the middle of it. I think oh, that's no, it's called Hop House 13. Okay. I read it on the back. And the lager is just what it is. Yeah. Okay, so here's the breakdown on this. This is... The Brewer's Project. The Brewer's Project. They do these other beers, and they've just started releasing them in the U.S. They've been available over, if you're in Ireland or the U.K., you can get this stuff. But they just started releasing it in the U.S. And the only way to get this is you need to go to a liquor store that has Guinness variety packs. Anyways, I'm just glad we don't have to deal with sponsorships, or else I would have to say that I strongly recommend that each and every one of you goes and pick up any number of Guinness Brewer projects, and that you uh, enjoy responsibly and that you would uh, drink to your heart's delight Guinness and that Sarah thinks that uh, that it tastes like mother's milk I don't know why we're whispering but maybe we should do the rest of the the intro whispering what do you think of that 
I don't think people will be able to hear in their car. I could boost the volume, and then it just sounds like loud whispering. Ooh, that sounds unpleasant. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on. So that's on. Guinness. We're drinking it. <laughs> For those of you that have been listening the past uh, few weeks, we've been trying a few different things out. And I've been looking for different ways to make this more interactive. I mean, can this freaking podcast get any more interactive? It's done in public. That's interactive. We're interviewing. It's not just you and I sitting here talking every week. But we we want more. I'm trying to find different ways. You can chime in here. You don't have to not talk. I know. Okay. Uh, I'm being the silent participant. No, I want you to be not silent. I'm telling you what to do with my eyes. (laughs) What are your eyes telling me? Stop talking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I've told you, the listener, that if you go on iTunes and you rate, subscribe, and comment on the podcast, leave a question that Sarah will answer. Just do that. I mean, it's really rate five stars, leave a question. It can be serious. It can be funny. We've had serious. We've had funny. I'm trying to think of what else to say, but that's it. It's really, it doesn't, it's it's not rocket science, people. Just do it. Just do it. I'm an interesting person. You want to know what I have to say. Or a lot of people have been saying that it's a pain in the butt to actually to rate and comment on iTunes. Like like with your iPhone, it can be glitchy sometimes on the oh, podcast app or whatever. That's true. Yes. Anyway, so some people have been writing in if you want to go to the website. If for some reason your iPhone or whatever is glitching out and you can't rate and comment. Yeah. But if you don't want to do that, you can head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact and you can fill out the form that you're just making. What are your eyes telling me now? <laughs> You just enunciate when you say the curious pod. It's the curious pod.com. That's how it's pronounced. <laughs> uh, anyways, if you want to go over to the contact form, fill that out. That gets sent directly to me, and you can have the chance to have your question selected for answer to for answer to Sarah <laughs> live on this podcast. Holy crap, let's move on. I need to stop talking. So this came in last week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume <laughs> whoever, it's Sane. Whoever she is. I'm sorry for butchering your name. I think that's a common thread. The past couple times I've butchered names. So here's the question. I'm listening to the latest podcast episode. and I've got a big question that it's been months that I've been struggling with. Uh, what does success really mean and how can I find my own way in life with it? I'm a college student that has good grades, uh, but it's not showing effect in my life. And I don't even know what I really want. Or if someone asks me, okay, what are you doing in the future? I say, I don't even know. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. What does success mean? I don't mm-hmm. know what I want to do with my life. What would your advice be for someone asking you that? Well, that's pretty hefty. <laughs> um, All right, first, what does success mean for you? If you had to define success for Sarah Morgan, the host. Well, I think, I think in college in particular, there's a lot of weight put on this at least in my college experience. And I have found as I've gotten older that success looks different. It's less of a specific thing that I want or specific things and more, I just want to be, I just want to be happy. That sounds like super shallow, but just like, I want to look back and see that I lived a really good life. I would also say that I think, especially when you're in college, you start off on this trajectory. I mean, you choose a major that you're going to have. And so it feels very concrete. This is what I'm doing. This is what I want. And then I think your dreams and your goals and your aspirations change. And that isn't a bad thing. It doesn't take away from the plans you made before. Yeah. And so I think it gives you a lot of mental oxygen if you could free yourself up to have your dreams, your goals, your definition of success itself change. That's awesome. You... Are talking about like almost giving yourself permission mm-hmm. to have that definition change for you. Yes. And 
in relationship to Sané. It's interesting that to me, by allowing that, allowing yourself to have permission for that to change almost takes pressure off of trying to figure out what success in your whole future, trying to figure that out right now. Yes. It almost takes weight off that. Mm -hmm. Like what's the next right thing? Yeah. And it it doesn't make you feel guilty when, when you're not feeling it anymore. Yeah. Like you go to school to be an English teacher and you do it and you're like, wow, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, but I can't do anything else because, well, this is what I went to school for. And this is what I always said I wanted to do. Yeah. That's total garbage. It's just, it's society. So it's totally natural to feel that way, but it's, it's, we just make up walls around ourselves to limit ourselves. Yeah. And we don't, we limit Uh, our, we limit our own satisfaction in doing that. That makes me think of what's that C.S. Lewis quote you were always talking about. So. I've always resonated with this thought too. The surest way of spoiling a pleasure is to start examining your satisfaction. So my takeaway on that is we ruin good things by overthinking them. Well, and you'll always be figuring it out by over-examining and questioning it. Am I really happy? Do I really like this? I just think we ruin so many good things by overthinking it or picking it apart. Yeah. I think you do that in in small moments in life. I think people do that in relationships, in their jobs. Ah, that's so good. Yeah. Okay. What are you doing? I don't know. Uh, that was awesome. You're very welcome. You're so That'll well be $10. <laughs> from me or Sané? From you. Always from you. This is going to get pricey. If you have a question for Sarah, it doesn't have to be as serious as that one. Uh, head over to iTunes and rate five stars, comment, and subscribe. If you would like me to pay to Sarah $10 <laughs> every freaking podcast episode. No, it's every time I give you a morsel of advice. Yeah. Oh, man. Which is... On the daily. Okay. Another part of this, trying to make this, just brainstorm on how I can make this podcast as interactive as possible are these giveaways that I'm doing in the hopes. Just to connect uh, with people. Yeah, just connecting. I want to connect the, these, some of these people that I have interviewed. I want to connect if they're making something cool. I'm trying to connect that with the people that are listening. A couple weeks ago, we did the Bitter Cube Bitters giveaway. Mm. For anybody that rated and commented, you were put in a drawing to win Bitter Cube Bitters. One of those winners was a guy named Jeremy. When I connected with him to give him the bitters, we ended up talking about cocktails and his his experience and his trying to get into cocktails, but hadn't gotten into cocktail making at home. Mm-hmm. And he was really excited because he felt like this could be like a first step. So even after he ended up getting one of these bitters and he ended up actually going to a liquor store, I think getting another one of the bitter cube bitters uh, to like nice. mix and match yeah. and make something, which is cool because if you, uh, if you aren't familiar with this, you can go to question number four, my interview with Nick Kosovic, uh, and we talk about his company, Bitter Cube, what inspired that and what they're making. So I decided to give Jeremy a call. See how, see how his bitters experience has been so far? Yeah. Jeremy, how's it going, man? Good, how are you? Dude, I'm doing great. Uh, you won a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, the Bitter Cube giveaway, one of the Bitter Cube giveaways uh, for the Bitter Cube bitters. Uh, what flavor did you end up getting? Which one? Do you uh, remember? The orange. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Uh, which were fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> are fantastic. I haven't, I haven't drank it all, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, just blowing through the bitters. <laughs> uh, it la- I think you misunderstand the ratios. <laughs> you like so it's like two one to, to one. one right? Yeah, it's one to one bitters to whiskey or whatever you're doing. That's hilarious. Okay, so before this, uh, before trying the Bitter Cube stuff, had you done like cocktails at home or what was... 
What was that? What that look like for you? Uh, cocktails at home looked more like rum and coke than anything. <laughs> uh, I, I really had no idea what <laughs> yeah, I was totally, doing. Totally. The past few months, um, I've just kind of made more of an effort to to try some things, different cocktails at places. Uh, just out of curiosity, more than anything, I knew I knew that I liked them, but I didn't really know what I liked. I guess. Have you yeah. been doing brandy ones at home or with like? Uh, or like bourbon, or I've been doing it uh, actually with Irish tea. Um, oh yeah, man! Because that's that's what I started out having. We we had some bottles from a, a recent trip to Ireland, so I was just curious what what else worked with those. You know, uh, oh you know, yeah, things. man, how'd that yeah. go with um, that and the orange bitters? The biggest thing for me was getting like the ratio uh, of because I didn't have sugar cubes. I just was getting the ratio of like sugar and water mixture to kind yeah, of make the man. syrup. Yep. Um, so once I figured that out, um, like what I liked in it and like, yeah, the ratio of that to uh, the whiskey, uh, that made a big difference. Uh, and then just figuring out what's the bitters, uh, that was really interesting for me because I had zero experience uh, making cocktails with bitters. Bitters, I, the fact that you like hadn't done the bitters thing within cocktails at home, I totally relate to that because I was that way too because I... Uh, it's just like in, kind of intimidating in the sense of like it's not something you can make like a simple syrup or something right. like that at home. But and then there's right. so many options at like a store if you're going and it's not like you can ever yeah. s- just sample them plain or figure out what you like or what goes with what. Plus, I feel like your experience mm-hmm. in doing music stuff. Yeah. The second you play like an instrument or you start doing stuff or recording at home, it almost gives you an appreciation when you listen to other music. So yeah, exactly. Like for yeah. what other people are doing. And I think there's yeah, I think there's kind of a light bulb moment too of like uh, sticking with music analogy. The first time I plugged into a, a good tube amp you know what i mean like that light bulb moment of oh i get it now like yes (laughs) this is what it's supposed to be like and i think you know no matter what it is whether it's cocktails or whatever it um i think there there can be those moments where you have a really good drink and it's like oh i can see how it's not just being snobby to want you know certain kinds of you know certain brands of liquor certain kinds of bitters or whatever it actually makes sense to put them together and it does taste better you know so um I think whatever your thing is, I think it can work like that. Man, I do like that yeah. point of the snobby thing of, you know, if you don't have that understanding of it, like, oh, this, yeah. is, this is pointless. Why are it's you putting so much work? Yeah, like yeah. And I'm, I'm guilty of that. Like, I think once you, what, no matter what it is, like, people, I love learning what people's, you know, <laughs> yeah. what's your thing, you know, what's yeah. your hobby. So, but yeah, whatever that is, uh, I think once you dive into it, you can understand it's not just about, being able to say a bunch of cool names <laughs> of, yeah, totally. you know, of booze. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Dude, you're such a badass. Thanks for letting me call you and pick oh, your brain with dude, this and hear how thanks. it's been going. Yeah, no, thank, thank you for uh, sending me on this journey. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Uh, happy anniversary thanks. as well. I appreciate it. All right, dude, we'll talk hope, to you soon. Hope to see you soon. Yeah, for sure. That was awesome to hear. Mm-hmm. I do want to say if anybody from Bittercube, Nick, or any of the awesome folks over there are listening, massive, huge thank you to you guys to be willing to partner with the show. Let's get into my conversation with Matt Patrick for this episode. Matt Patrick owns a recording studio in Minneapolis. He is a proficient musician in so many aspects, playing different instruments, songwriter, just every... if. He wears every hat. Every hat. He wears it. His main focus nowadays is being in the studio recording. And just in the nature of that, you have to be so in the moment and aware 
So like you're saying that even in a conversation, he's just fully present. Yeah. Great eye contact, not looking at his phone or looking around. Yeah, he's there. He's 100% there. That's an art form, and it's unfortunately really rare. Yeah, it is rare. Matt's so awesome. That t- this ties into what I was saying earlier about this podcast not just being for musicians. I happen to have a lot of musician friends, and that's the networks just professionally that I run in. So a lot of these people are going to come up. But so many of the things Matt talks about, finding your voice and creativity, um, dealing with the, like the self-doubts in your head, like all these things that so many other people can connect with. Mm-hmm. So this is what I've done. The conversation was so great. We talked for so long that I, I wanted to keep as much of it in here as possible for everybody to listen to. The first half of our conversation, we ended up talking about kind of these themes that I feel like anybody could put themselves into and relate with, right? Like normally these conversations, I get up, I gotta go pee. We need to refresh our beers. Mm-hmm. Come back, and then our, the conversation just naturally went deeper into music. Yeah. So because of that, within this episode, I'm gonna do a part one and part two. This is part one, where we dive into some of the stuff I feel like everybody can relate to. Part two next week is the part of our conversation where we dive a little bit deeper into his working with artists, his thoughts on being in the studio and recording, having a career in music, what that looks like for him, his story and all that stuff. So if you're interested in the music side of stuff, diving a little bit deeper, check back next week for part two of my interview with Matt Patrick or Nat Patrick (laughs) or Pat Matrick for that matter. I got nothing. I got nothing either. All right. Uh, but that said, um, you need to say something that's sort of beer oriented. Ah, so let's crack open this conversation. Oh, I hate that. Let's pour out our souls together. So pour yourself a pint and sit back. You know, if this podcast does one thing, just allows people to not have to feel like they have to drink alone. (laughs) That's totally Uh, fine, right? Yeah. Just sitting at home, just crying into your beer. We're here for you. This is Late Nights, uh, 102.5, Smooth Jazz, Rob and Sarah. We're talking to you through the night. We're up with you. Yeah, your late overnight jobs. We're here to talk you through it. You're up late. You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep saying you're up late. We're up late. Late we're, night. Late night. Up late. Up night. Up, up night at lates. Talking <laughs> yeah. to Smooth Jazz. Feel free to call in and we'll talk you through the evening. This is so dumb. <laughs> so this is our regular life. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm Matt Patrick. This is my conversation with Matt Patrick. Oh, man, this guy is so awesome. I want to be like Matt. No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> you sound like a boob. <laughs> Aww, I like Matt. I wish I was more I like, be Matt. like Matt. I want to be like Matt. <laughs> Dumb. But he is awesome. <laughs> All right. Oh, man, I almost forgot to say this. Also, talk to Matt. In this conversation, uh, on this part one, he talks about a project of his called Fathom Lane. Fathom what? Like a say, path lane? Fathom. Say, yeah. say it with me now. No, I understand Fathom. <laughs> fathom Lane. Okay. So at the end of this conversation interview, I'm going to play that song in full. Mm, dig it. Dig it. <laughs> That's how you could end it. Dig this it. is my interview with Matt Patrick. Dig it. Dig it. Dig it. It's you in the studio. Yeah. What are you recording this week? So much. Today working with a guy named Luke Luke Spihar. Okay. His last record was produced by Ben Harper. Yeah. Really? But he's but he's from here, and so I don't I'm not even totally sure how he got hooked up with Ben Harper, other than there was a mutual friend and they listened to Luke and said, "Oh man, your your music reminds me of Ben Harper. You should 
you should work with him. And he like laughed, like, yeah, I'm a big fan. That'd be really great. And and then next thing you know, he's like flying out to LA to work with Ben Harper on his record. And so, but it doesn't make sense for him financially, time-wise, all all things otherwise to fly out to LA and work with him all the time. And so he was looking for a studio here and had some mutual friends that had good experiences with me at the library. And so he came in and started working with me and we've done a bunch of stuff and now we're working on EP together. And so, um, yeah, it's really great. It's really great. He's a good dude. So that just makes me think of a question uh, that I, I didn't have earlier, but you brought up finances. Yeah. Because he couldn't afford to record with him, so he's here yeah. doing something more in his range. Man, do you, you probably don't remember this, but we had an awesome conversation a few, maybe three or four years ago, where you talked about you raised your prices at the yeah. studio. Like that was a big moment for you mm-hmm. of raising your prices and what that did for you mm-hmm. of getting more work. Right. And it is counterintuitive. Right. Man, do you mind sharing that Not story? At all. That's so fascinating. Yeah, sure. Price point perception. Yeah, right. I mean, if you kind of like undercut everybody in whatever line of work you're in, people are going to assume you're cheap because you need the business. Um, there's another recording studio in town that has, I mean, since the dawn of time, has put an ad in City Pages and it comes across <laughs> as like, I can't keep my doors open unless I yeah. do a bunch of advertising to, to do it. And so people don't go there because this guy or gal, I don't even know, over advertises, you know? And so then for the longest time, you know, uh, I didn't have a website. I didn't have any way of getting a hold of me. And it made people, there was this kind of mystique about the library where people were like, how is this guy even staying busy? Mm-hmm. He must be really good, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just that I hadn't gotten around to making a website, <laughs> yeah. you know? It wasn't like I, was, yes. I wasn't putting on yeah. this mystique, you know? Yeah. Like, it wasn't this intentional thing. There was even one time that I got to my studio and there was a post-it note on my door and it said, I want to record with you, call me, and then phone number. So I called the guy and he goes, you sure are hard to get a hold of. How do you stay in business? Yeah. You know? And I was like, I don't know. I guess I'm I guess so people much just... in business that I don't have time to be gotten a hold exactly of. Exactly yeah. right. I don't have time to make a website or whatever, you know? And so then I got around to just being like, man, I feel like I need to, to I'm busy enough that I should probably raise my rates because with demand comes raising your rates, you know? And so, <clears throat> boy, I was really nervous to try it, but I figured, hey, I'm just going to try it and see what happens. And I literally got more calls more work and less batting of the eye when people are just like or rolling of the eyes when people are like hearing what my new rate is so you know I raised my rates by $10 an hour and last year I actually raised my rates by another $10 an hour and the phone did not stop ringing the emails did not stop coming and yeah I mean it just it kind of makes sense it's counterintuitive but it makes sense if this guy is as good as what this price point is then I then it's worth it for me to work with him you know and even beyond the financial fiscal element of it the calendar element of it the time schedule element of it people would call me and say I want to have you produce a record for me when are you available and I'll say not until probably spring of next year and they go okay like pencil me in 
I'm going to work on my yeah. right. I'm going to work on my Kickstarter campaign or whatever, and figure out you know get my songs as good as they can be. Maybe write some new ones, and it's very infrequent that people actually like fall off the face of the earth and I don't hear from them again. Like eight months later, they're calling me saying, "Hey, you still have me penciled? Like, let's put it in ink." You know, so it's been a really good thing. That's cool. When you ascribe value to yourself, the world goes, oh, you're valuable, you know? And so it was a, it was a crazy thing to, because I don't believe in myself that much. That's what most creative people are like, where you actually don't believe in yourself. You need validation from others to tell you you're good enough. And that, I guess that was the validation that I needed that I was good enough. I raised my rates and people went, yep, you're valid. Yep. I still want to work with you, you know? Yeah. We're always waiting. True creatives are always waiting for people to, to figure out what we actually believe about ourselves. Yes. That we're really not as good. Yeah. And, you know? Yeah, oh, like, yeah. In my, in my mind of minds and heart of hearts, I'm, I'm thinking any day now people are going to go, oh, man, he's, he should not be charging this much because <laughs> yeah. he's really not as good. Uh, and that's what I think of myself. Man. But people keep coming back to me, even for two or three or four records, that's you know, so in a row. Because I think that about myself. Sure, we you all, should we all think do. about that. Because right. you think about, uh, that, okay, that side statement sums up this podcast. The reason, <laughs> it sums up the entire reason I'm doing a podcast. Sure. Because this thought of, I think this way, but there's no way the people I look up to think this way or yeah. have dealt with this and gotten right. through this. Yeah. I must be the only person that struggles with this uh-huh. type thing. But we it's all not, do. We all, yeah. And that little voice inside my head comes up every single time a client of mine says, yeah, I'm not sure about that background vocal part yeah. that I just sang. Yeah. And I just go, that's the, that's the little door opening and the light shining through in their eyes that I'm really not as good as they think that I am. And before you know it, the doors are going to bust wide open and they're going to take their money and run. Yeah. And go somewhere else, you know? Uh, okay, th- man, tell me about those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like the thoughts, the second guessings. Is that, uh, is that a, like a daily occurrence for you? Is it situational? It's a loaded question. What's, no, 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 it's a good question. I just can't think of the movie that I'm trying to think of. Where the guy is like really, really brilliant, but yeah. then in the end of the movie, he's actually, you find out that he's actually crazy. Yeah. He's like got all these strings going to different papers yes. and whatever. And Yeah, yeah. But you're, you're led to believe that he's actually brilliant for the first three quarters of the movie. Then you realize that he's actually not brilliant. And that the people who have been like the little girl and the older guy, um, they're actually not real people. They're figments of his imagination. And at the end of the movie, he just has to learn... Uh, Cameron Crowe? Is that what his name is? Uh, oh, yeah, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Yeah. Cameron Crowe is a director, right? <clears throat> Russell Crowe. You're thinking Cameron film. Diaz, yeah. Cam- <laughs> or I'm thinking The Crow, the movie The Crow. Uh, anyway, Black Crows. No. Counting Crows, the soundtrack. Okay, so Russell anyway, Brand. Russell Brand thinks that he's crazy, and he really is yeah. crazy. No. At the end of the movie, the point is that he realizes and understands that these people are just figments of his imagination and he still sees them but he has to just ignore them you know and that's totally what it is with me because those little voices come up inside of my head and i see that friend of his or i see that little girl that's in his mind and i go i have to just like combat it and just push it away and say matt vicky emerson has come back to you for for three records Ben Rosenbush and the Brighton have come back to you for three records, you know? Like, you probably aren't 
as terrible as you think you are. Just yeah. you just see those thoughts and then ignore them, you know? But it comes up all the time. I see them all the time. Yeah. Okay, because as you were saying that you see them, I was going to ask you if there's something you say to yourself. But someone recently I listened to talked about the importance of having a win mm-hmm. in your life and referencing those wins. And it sounds like that's what you do. Of like, listen, this is, I've had these, this right. has all happened in the past. This has never failed before. Why would yeah. it start now? Yeah, exactly. So is that your go-to totally. thing, reminder? Yep. Okay. Yep, yep, absolutely. Man. Yeah. The guy who I was with today, who when I did my background vocal part and I came in and he wasn't sure, it's not that he was thinking, I'm the worst background vocalist ever, which is what I was thinking. <laughs> he was thinking maybe you should go up on this one part instead of down. So his furrowed brow, I was reading into oh, yeah. thinking, I'm getting fired from my own gig. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. But his furrowed brow really meant I wasn't sure of this one note. Oh man, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Uh huh. Because that reading into it, right? But even my sister uh, called yeah. me yesterday. Or she's, you know, she called me and left a message because I was in the middle of the session. She's like, hey, call me when you get a chance. This is not even like a creative endeavor. Just my sister called me. She needs to talk to me. Well, I don't talk to her that often. So something must be terribly wrong, you know? And I'm just like, I'm nervous. And I give my sister a call and I'm like, hey, what's going on? She's like, well, me and Bob are getting married next year and we want to do like an unofficial wedding and you're good at that stuff. Will you unofficiate our wedding? And I was like... Oh, That's yeah. like the coolest thing yes, ever. Totally. But of course, I just went to something Alden. terrible happened to one of my nieces, or yes. you know, something you said last week really pissed me off. Exactly right. There's something going on in uh, my family, and just yes. the worst thing ever, or that I, I upset totally somebody. To and that. Yeah, the worst thing you can ever do for me mentally is send me a text and tell me we need to talk. <laughs> right. Exactly. Are you available to talk on the phone? Right. I mean, I was if you'd have called me, and I would right. have been totally fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm gonna spend like 20 minutes freaking out. <laughs> right, exactly, uh, yeah. exactly. That's so, so even beyond, I mean, maybe it's yeah. because I'm creative that yeah. I just automatically assume that the worst is about more. to happen, <laughs> yeah. you know. But that's another thing. I just gotta like, just suck it up, Matt. Just give your sister a call and just find out what's going on. It might <laughs> totally, be something great. Totally. You know. Don't avoid it for three weeks, like right, you exactly. want to. Oh man. That's funny because I wonder if there are people out there that actually are so optimistic that they hear that, like, they think positive. Like, oh, yeah, something awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. I can't relate to that. You should, uh, I think you should maybe have Zach Miller on one of your podcasts because I think he's just like that. I think he's just so optimistic. So optimistic and just, like, somebody calls and says, hey, we need to talk. And he's just like, sweet, let's talk. Ah, Let's do it. Great. Tell me about the good news. Yeah. You know? yeah. I've been waiting for you to text exactly. me when you want to talk to me. Yeah, yeah this right, is great. Right, right. Uh, I love that. Okay, a minute ago you talked you mentioned the being in the being in the studio yeah. and seeing someone with a furrowed brow. And I feel like that ties into it too. Seeing someone furrow their brow instantly go to, at least in my mind, oh crap, I'm about to get fired. Yeah. Shit, did I just play a wrong note? Mm-hmm. Like well, they don't like what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, like all the negative things. It's funny how that thing that's not musical or artistic comes into art when you're making it. Right. I don't know if that happens for you. Yeah. It has to because that's that's the balance, yeah. you know? Like if we aren't this way, then we aren't this other way, you know? Yeah. If we aren't super critical of ourselves and think that we're the worst, then we couldn't possibly be really great at what we do. You yeah. know, like we really need that we really need that balance. That is interesting. I haven't thought about that before. Mm-hmm. Like the need for the juxtaposition. Because right. if you don't think you suck, right. you're not going to go practice or right. whatever. Oh, I don't know. Whatever it Anybody is. Anybody who is gonna... exceptional at what they do has this like 
it's like the angel on one side and the demon on the other, you know? And what that angel and demon are doing are balancing each other out. And your head is what is in the middle. Yeah. So that's the center, you know? Okay. So that's where, that's where center should be, you know? My life has been all about hanging in that balance, you know? Like, there are extremes. And I've never been a fan of extremes, you know? Be it political or religious or whatever. So I'm usually, find some, I'm usually somebody that, like, finds himself hanging in that balance of those two extremes, you know? There's a pendulum that swings, and it swings really far one way and really far the other way. And I'm usually someone who's, like, just kind of right in the middle. Even in my life, I'm the middle child, you know? Age-wise, my sister Tammy's four years older than me, and my brother Robert's four years younger, and I have another sister Sarah who's one year older than me, but I'm exactly in the middle age-wise, you know? And so I've just always been this kind of like, I want to have a life that's balanced, you know? Which is one of the reasons why I love the profession that I'm in and feel really fortunate in that I'm able to go into my studio at 9 or 10 in the morning and only work until 5 or 6 at night and go home and be with my family every weeknight unless I have a rehearsal, you yeah. know, or something. But for that the most part, so I'm awesome. home every weeknight yeah. and most weekends unless I have a gig or a rehearsal for a gig, you know. And that's, that's the balance that's important to me, you know. And even like... We really want to have a rehearsal for this gig. Can you do it that week? And I look at that week and go, I actually have two rehearsals, so no, I can't yeah, rehearse. I'm not going to throw another one on So there. you can either find another guitar player or bass player or whatever, yeah. or you can trust that I'm going to do my homework and show up at the gig and really know my stuff. Yeah. You know? Man, there's so much confidence that goes into that. I mean, it... I don't know if you recognize that in yourself, but that takes so much confidence to the confidence of like, they may need somebody that sure. can do this rehearsal, whatever it is. Yeah. But I trust, I have confidence in myself and in life that the right things are gonna open up for me and that stuff will work itself out. And mm -hmm. this isn't gonna like uh, screw me over in the long run. You right. know what I mean? You can play Russian roulette with your life. You can have somebody hand you a gun and say, there's really only one bullet. You know, there's there's eight chambers, but there's only one bullet. I, I really want you to put this gun up to your head, and you don't have to say yes. You can go, yeah, I might shoot myself, no. And that's honestly the way I see that. Like, if I have three rehearsals and a show and a full studio schedule that week, that's playing Russian roulette. Like... That might be one too many rehearsals that's going to put my wife and child over the top and say, yeah. oh, I'm now so... checked out of your life, yeah. and it's going to be really hard for you to check back in oh, yeah. or have me check back into oh, your yeah. life, you know? And so it's not a risk I'm willing to take. So you just go, yeah, find somebody else to play that game with, you know? I'm not interested in that. Um, as like a friend playing devil's advocate. Sure. Here. Uh, I could see myself, uh, part of me going, well, that's easy for you to say because you, uh, you have the stability of like, the, the studio thing. But at the same time, I also, the devil's advocate of the devil's advocate says, well, that stability probably came because you thought like this before you had that stability. Have you always thought this way? No. Or we, did you ever go through a phase where you're like, I got to say yes to everything? I gotta totally. Just and you... And you have to. Yeah. Like, okay. you have to go through that. Yeah. But, you know, I'm in my 40s, you know? And so I've certainly gotten to a place of both maturity and uh, uh, level of, of success in whatever that means that I, that I do. 
And um, yeah, so yeah, I've I've arrived at that at that point. But yeah, of course, my I tell the story all the time. I tried going to college. <laughs> tried is yeah. the word. Yeah, word there. And um, <laughs> I, I attempted. I attempted I, to go I to college. My hand at college right. yeah. And it didn't really work yeah. out. But it, you know, I was actually getting really good grades at my midterms. But I was living on my own. I was renting a place. I was working full time. I was paying my own way because I didn't have. You know, I didn't grow up in a wealthy family. You know, mom and dad didn't foot the bill for college at all. So it was just completely on me. But I was working a second shift job. I started at five at night and worked until three thirty in the morning. Monday through Thursday. So I got my 40 hours in in four days. So I was working four 10-hour days until 3.30 in the morning. So I would get home at 4 a.m. because it was a half-hour drive to my apartment. And my vocal lesson, at, and it was just a community college, you know, but my vocal lesson started at 8 uh, on Wednesdays. And your body just shuts down. It just says there's no way. So I would, like, turn on the loudest heavy metal station that I could find and have the volume cranked up so loud that it just yeah. sounded like, you know? <laughs> just You forced your just, senses to stay right. awake, yeah. But it didn't matter. Like, you know, a little bit past, you know, midterm, I just, my body shut down. And at 11 o'clock, I'm finally hearing my radio that went off at 7. Because your body just can't do it. It literally can't do it. I'm going to shut down your senses so that you can sleep because that's more important now. Yes. You know? <laughs> and so, but the point is, my first day of music theory class, when I actually was in college, my theory professor said, if you're here for a music education degree, I think you're really going to get a lot out of this class. If you're here for a music performance degree... Unless you're studying classical music and want to play in like, you know, an orchestra or, or want to study opera, if you want to play popular music, there's the door and I suggest you use it. You get That's what he said. Well, he That's basically awesome. did yeah. say that, you know. Talking himself out of classes. Well, and I was like, man, I hope that the college doesn't know that he's saying yeah. this. He might yeah. be out of a job, you know. <laughs> um, and so I started thinking about it and I was like, you know, he's right. I, I can't study college music if I want to be like a professional musician in popular music style and walk up to Radio City Music Hall or First Avenue or 7th Street Entry for that matter and say here's my paper that says I can do this can I have a gig it just doesn't work that way what he followed it up by was saying you need to get out and play with and for as many people as possible that's cool so I'm now quitting college yeah. because of what he said and because my body is shutting down and I'm taking him for his word and I started playing with as many bands as possible and in front of as many people as possible and saying yes to the gigs that would put me in front of as many people as possible because that would solidify me as a musician and would get me probably more work and ultimately it did so you can go to you can go to college, which is a great thing for a lot of people, and it really depends on your learning style. You know, if you need a teacher to tell you your homework needs to be turned in by such and such a day to get it done to learn, yeah. or your test is going to be in two weeks, you better study your ass off and know what the answer to these questions are in order to work, yeah. then you need to go to school. But I'm more of like, 
hey, wouldn't it be fun to learn mandolin? Yeah, oh yeah. Let me buy one. Yeah. And get a chord book. And yeah. nowadays it's as easy as just finding it on YouTube. Like, how do you play this song on YouTube? And just, you've got it right there in front of you. And that's how I learn. Like, hey, do you know how to play banjo? No. But no. I'll play it for Give this. Me a couple weeks and yeah, I'll uh, or like, yeah, uh, I'll buy, you know, I'll borrow a banjo and I'll learn these three or four chords for this yeah, pop yeah. song by yeah. this weekend. Sure, that's no problem. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. You know? And I'm always somebody who's who kind of enjoys the thrill of that, yeah. you know? You have to enjoy the thrill of that, yeah. you know? Putting yourself out there, uh, imp- improvisation does really well with me, regardless of the style of music, because I kind of love yes. the feeling of flying by the seat of my pants, you yeah, know? Totally. And so that's just kind of how I how I work. So flying by the seat of my pants, I quit school and joined as many bands as I possibly could and played on as many stages as I could. And so, yeah. You went through said the season, yes to everything, everything. Yes. so that I built a name for myself and someday didn't have to. And I think that that's, that is, to a degree, how you become successful at whatever you're choosing to do, you know? I feel like I would add to that something I, I feel like I've learned only the past couple years. It seems to be the going out, doing your own thing, figuring out banjo, and maybe like your own way of playing the banjo. And if you do your own thing, then people will hire you for that thing. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Like you don't have a lot of people hiring you because you just happen to be a studio in town that has a free date. They're looking for Matt Patrick. My goal is that people want my sonic signature thumbprint on their record, you know? And that's that's the tough part, you know? Like, yeah, you can quit school and just learn what everybody does by rote and mimic everybody more important though is to figure out what your thing is your contribution to this creative world that it sets you apart from other people and that's why I also have no problem turning down uh, recording opportunities producing opportunities for a project that just is not my bag you know they come to me and they say hey we do such and such a music will you produce us and I go boy, here are three or four people in this town who excel at doing that style of music. I just don't think that I'm right for you. And there's times where people just go, you know what? We want you to do your thing with us and change what we do because we don't just want to sound like that. And I go, oh, if that's the case, then by all means, let me clear out my schedule and record with you, you know? I was watching... um, there's a great documentary about Jaco Pastorius on Netflix. I don't yeah. know if you've seen oh, it. Yeah. But the moment that that just the whole thing hinged on for me was uh, when, um, I think it was Herbie Hancock, he said, uh, man, nobody's doing what he's doing. Mm. And that that was the moment that he started receiving this unbelievable success, you yeah. know? Because he tapped into something that had never been done before. Yeah. And man, it's really, really hard. That's the hardest thing to do. Figure out what nobody has done before and do that, you know? And so I've kind of been on this constant pursuit both as a musician and as a producer. I mean, almost to a fault where I'm just like, I don't want to learn how to play the songs for this cover band. I don't want to have to learn the solo for Are You Gonna Go My Way, <laughs> note for note. Yeah. Because then I'm just, then it's just data entry for me. And I don't want my music to be data entry ever. I want my music to be connected to my soul at all times. No, I mean, I'm not saying that people who 
play the solo to that oh, yeah. song aren't connected to their soul. But for me personally, I want to figure out what my thing is, uncover it, and unleash it to the world. Yes. As opposed to just regurgitating what has been done before, you know? And so that's why I stopped playing in a cover band, you know? Which is so funny because the, the, the people that wrote that solo, they don't even cover themselves. Right. And then they play it live. Nor so did they. So nor did they probably sit down and think note for note. This is what this solo should be. Oh yeah. And notate it and read oh, yeah. it with their eyes <laughs> yeah, when the totally. tracking was going down. They were just taking some yeah. solos, and that was the one that had the mojo on it, you know. And so I played a band called Fathom Lane, and we were recording our new record that was just released a couple months ago. And we have a song called Fingers and Toes that's been picked up and played on the radio, which is really great. But uh, the solo that's on that song, both between me and Shane, who's our lap steel guitar player, uh, both solos were the very first take. And we just went, oh man, that was so great. That's the solos that we want to keep. But nobody else in the band was super happy with their take. So we did take two, take three, take four, take five, take six. And the entire five takes that preceded it, or that were after it, I felt like both Shane and I were like chasing after that first thing that we uh, did and trying yes. to, you know, regurgitate that old idea. And it was just, it just never had that magic. So, of course, in Pro Tools, you can just go back to playlist number one and fly in those solos. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, when but it was I fresh, it was fresh. It was fresh, and I didn't notate what those solos should be. But I play that solo the same way every time because I'm so happy with how it turned out, you know? Same thing with Are You Gonna Go My Way. It was more than likely. I would bet 99% that they just were jamming and that was the one that just was magic, you know? So I don't want to learn somebody else's magic. I want to create my own is my point, you know? Every magician pulls a rabbit out of a hat. But David Blaine makes himself freaking levitate. No other magician does that. That's why he's famous and successful and whatever the the moment came for me when i realized like boy i'm just not happy doing that was when uh i played a band called gray coats gray coats was asked to play at first avenue opening for jeremy messer smith and it was on the same night that the band that i was playing guitar in as a cover band was asked to play a really good paying gig out in the middle of wisconsin which is like six hours away which meant it was an overnight gig which meant it paid more there was a hotel room all that stuff when I'm playing in Grey Coats it's like that's my band my pet project I don't make any money when the I money, play with Grey Coats if you make money it goes back into it exactly you know, yeah. yeah it's a collective thing so I realized I could either make whatever it was $350 for one gig which is a pretty good paying gig you know for one night or I could make nothing and play at First Avenue, opening for Jeremy Messersmith at First Avenue, and I just went, I would so much rather play in my own band and make nothing. And that's when I called the leader of the band, and I was just like, man, we got to talk. So that moment, so like, that all moment of a sudden opened up it. all these things that you said, yeah. oh, this shows me. Right. So I need, to, I need to pull back, you know? Dude, that and takes so, so much artistic integrity. I would rather have somebody fulfill that position that really gets off on learning the solo for that Black Crows mm-hmm. tune, you know? Yeah. And there are people who are like that. Totally. Ian Allison, yeah. who you interviewed on your podcast, yeah. is totally that way. He gets so much enjoyment off of just learning every nuance of a bass part, yeah. you know? And I admire that so much in him, but I'm not wired that way at all, you know? Um, even if, yeah, 
whatever. I just, I'm built to, to live in the moment and let that moment speak for itself, you know? And, and if that moment never happens again, it was for that moment and for that moment alone. And that's good enough for me. Yeah. You know? So, that's so great. <laughs> Man, that's self-awareness. Yeah. That's so important. It's funny that you say being in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. That that's a part of what you see in yourself. Nate Babs. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I was like, man, okay, you've been working, doing stuff with Matt. Like, what do you, th what is like Matt's deal to you? Like, what do you see in Matt? Like, sets him apart for your interactions with him. And he said something that, like, I feel like everybody does. You are the most present person hmm. that he knows, like, hmm. genuinely present. And he talked about how you are in the moment, whether it's musically uh, thinking about what does this musical moment need. I'm not going to regurgitate stuff I've already learned or whatever. I want to be present in the moment. And I feel like that comes up a lot hmm. in conversation about you being someone, even in conversations, that comes into it. Is that like a, is that natural thing, being present in the moment, not being sidetracked or distracted? Is that natural for you, or is it something you've had to work on? No, I, I think that it's natural for me, and goes it goes way back. I I remember being in I remember being in middle school, and this girl Scarlett, who was like one of the popular girls, and I wasn't like I wasn't a sports guy. I was a music guy. I, I wasn't. I wasn't popular, but I got along with everybody. It was important to me to just to just love people well, you know? And so I just kind of got along with everybody. But I wasn't, like, super good friends with this girl, Scarlett. But one day the phone rings, and my mom says, Matt, telephone for you, it's Scarlett. And I'm like, why on earth is Scarlett calling me? She's never called me. And I get on the phone, I'm like, hey, Scarlett, what's going on? Keep in mind, I'm in, like, sixth grade, you know? And she goes, I'm having, I'm having some issues with this guy that I like. And I just feel like you're somebody that understands people and I want to just get your thoughts on it. And I was like, what? This is so crazy. And so I, I listened to the situation. I have no idea what was going on in the scenario, but I listened to it. I was present in the moment and I told her, just what I thought. I gave her whatever sixth grade wisdom I had, <laughs> I imparted to her, and she was so incredibly uh, grateful. And so I guess it's, I don't know, I guess it's something that has just always kind of man, been there. Interesting. Yeah. So it's been important to me to value every moment, you know, regardless of who I'm with, you know. That's why I don't schedule studio sessions in the evening so I can be home and be present with my family. You know, that's why I turn down gigs because I've got too many on the books and I need to go home and be present with my family. That's why it's important to me when a, an old friend contacts me and says, I want to get together, that I make room for them in my life and say, I want to be present to you, you know? And so when you're with those people, the worst thing you can do is to not be present to them, you know? Like in any situation, it's going to be not a common thing for me to be looking at my phone instead of talking to my friend who wanted to get together, you know? And so, sure, I look at my phone. Sure, I check my email all the time, you know? And I, I'm guilty of doing it at home when I'm supposed to be present with my family. But, you know, you're in your, you're in your home. You're in your pajamas. You're in your comfort zone. Of course, you're checking your phone. But it's always in the back of my mind that when my son asks me something and I'm on my phone that I immediately stop what I'm doing and I listen to what he's asking me you know because I don't want him to have a memory of me on my phone 
instead of playing with him or whatever, you know? I suck at that, dude. <laughs> I am horrible. I have. I want to say, yeah, I, I am naturally horrible at that. I'm horrible, because, but I have to set boundaries and guidelines for myself, kind of sure. like those, or else I'll just succumb to my natural instincts of sure. not being in the moment or whatever. Maybe an exercise for you is you need to imagine that there's microphones in front of the I, people that yeah, you're talking I'm, to, because totally. you haven't looked at your phone more oh, than a couple all, times. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> uh, what'd you say? Uh, Instagram. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> I do have, I, I, okay, so I have like hard set rules for myself uh, in my life because I'm awful at that. So like one of mine is in the morning for two hours after I wake up, my phone's still on, do not disturb. Wow, good for and you. I have to, well, and I don't say because it's good for me, I'd say because I'm just that bad with sure. stuff. If I, I would be on like flipping through whatever it is, yeah. emails and whatever. Uh, and then I try to do that in the evening too. With Sarah and I are together, the phone's off. Mm-hmm. And... So do you do you have any like rules like that, or are you just intentional? I just try and be as intentional as possible. You know, um, I don't know. I've never been a. F- I mean, whatever works for what yeah, for yeah, yeah. anybody, yeah, of yeah. course. You know, but I've never been a fan of like, oh, if I just build these walls, then I won't get to what I'm really desiring. It's not really about the walls. It's about changing your perspective and your heart and your mind on the matter of it, you know? So, like, a wall for you might be, I need to turn off my phone for X amount of time before I start my day. When in reality, I would suggest to you, maybe you need to look at what is it about you internally, in your heart and in your mind, that's making you want to just look at your phone and instead of dealing with the wall, deal with the issues that are causing you to want to disassociate yourself with your life. It's really more about I need to remove myself or I need to have this like this this getaway from my life, you know, to make myself absent from my life at this moment, you know? And so maybe instead of putting up this wall, deal with the issues that are keeping you going back to your phone you know <laughs> <laughs> that's so heavy <laughs> it's pretty heavy oh man yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm just thinking about what that what that is and what that looks like yeah yeah I you mean it, it takes like serious internal searching yeah. to get to that you know it goes back to like what happened in my yeah. childhood you know yeah. that's causing me to act this way you know and so so yeah I've just always been a person who's just like eh, you know what rather than Rather than just putting up walls, I'm just going to deal with what's causing me to need these walls put up and figure that part out. As a, you know, as a business owner, of course, one of the first things that I need to do is to check my email you know, and make sure that I've, I've posted an Instagram of the library studio so that people know that I'm still a viable option for a producer in this town. You know, like all of that stuff is, yeah, there's a business mindset. But when I find that I lend too much of my thoughts and too much of my soul and too much of my time and too much of my heart to that that I'm you know sacrificing time with my son or sacrificing time with my family there's an imbalance there and again it goes back to hanging in that balance and needing to you know to alter my my time and my set my mind state you know all of that when when you talk about the Instagram posting or whatever that is the social media stuff uh, that makes me think of uh, earlier when you were talking about your the guy that owned the studio, 
who was like putting stuff in newspapers, whatever. Like newspaper, yeah. city pages is sure. old social media, whatever right, it is. Right, right, right. So I really feel, if I'm gonna be transparent, man, I feel like I really did myself and my career. And what are you gonna do? You just make the decisions you can and learn right. from them. But I feel like I really did my damn my career and personal life a lot of damage with the amount I put focus I put on like trying to like do like social media or like right. marketing networking stuff online, networking, yeah. whatever, instead of just playing the long game, like mm-hmm. playing, doing the slow, long work, right. focusing on it. That's I'm so passionate about now. I wish I would have known that then, right? Because I feel like that was really detrimental to. Because you're totally right when you said earlier, all the great, the people that are really doing work don't have time to be on in, uh, Instagram or stuff like that. They're right. not, they don't need to be putting ads out. Right. Uh, and I think about the why, like the need to check email first thing in the morning or check right. text or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like I've realized that myself, it comes from this lack of trust sometimes of like, oh, I have to be on someone else's schedule. Like if someone needs me or someone has a question, I got to like get to that first thing right away. And it kind of ties into what everything you've been saying of like, okay, no, this is what I do. These are my healthy boundaries that I have for myself within work. And I just trust that by holding these boundaries, the right the right things for me will line up. Mm-hmm. That that uh, confidence you have. Yeah, right. And I feel like that's such a healthy thing. Yeah. yeah. The I've never heard it said the way you just said it. The long game, like this light bulb went off in my head. I was like, oh yeah, that's me. Like that's what I do. It's it's really amazing how often people who I talk to who don't really know much about being a record producer or whatever, you know, like nine out of 10 times, the first question out of people's mouth are, who's the most famous person you've worked with? Interesting. And I'm always like, so turned off by that, you know? Cause I, cause I don't care. And that's why I just realized that's why I don't care. Cause I'm, I'm not in it for the fast track to fame and fortune. I don't care about fame and fortune. I'm in it for the long game, you know? Like, I'm in it because I enjoy the game. You know, the, you know, not that playing music is a game. You enjoy but the process. Like the process of, of yes. this, you know? But the day-to-day. Game yes. like, you know, there are people who just love to play chess and they don't get paid for it, but they just love the game of chess. So, like, this game of chess, which I call music, I just love it so much. I'll, I'll play whenever, you know? And so, like... I, again, think of a guy like Ian, who just last week was playing bass for Gavin DeGraw, opening for Billy Joel at, at Target Field, at Target Field, which Holy is the crap. Twins yeah. stadium, baseball stadium, and then the next day went back and played with a cover band under a bridge, under the Wabasha Bridge, you know, like for 100 people. Like the night before, he literally played for 30,000 people and was could probably think pretty good of himself in that moment. But at the same time, it was just like, no, man, I love this game. I love chess. I'm going to sit down and play with somebody, you know, because yeah. I love it. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> the next day. Or I think about uh, my really, really good friend, Jeremy Ilvesacker, who toured with Andrew Bird for years, who I just have so much love and appreciation and respect and admiration for this guy on so many levels. There was one situation where he went and played on Conan O'Brien with Andrew Bird. And then the next day, he was back in Minneapolis, and he played like a battle of the bands with some guy, and and lost. 
You know, like, yes, holy yes. cow, the, the polarization yes. of that, you know, like, this guy is good enough that he played guitar on Conan O'Brien with freaking Andrew Bird, and the next day lost a local band competition. Yeah. You know? Uh, Talk about perspective. But he wasn't bummed out. He wasn't? No. Because he was just like, hey, I just play music, you know? You win some, you lose some. It's about the long game, you know? And so I totally love that. And so for me, it doesn't really matter what famous people have walked through my doors and you know there are some people that have walked through my doors that I've worked with you know that I could say and people would be just like oh wow you worked with so and so who sang such and such a song you know like yeah but I don't really that's not what sells what I do the fact that this person came through my doors you know yeah um man I can only say this next sentence because of Owl City and that is, it doesn't sell what you do to anybody other than non-musicians. Right. Like, that adds... Like, if you talk about celebrities and all that fun stuff, that adds validation to people that aren't going to hire you, maybe, or people that aren't necessarily musicians, right. really. Yeah. But anybody that's going to work with you, I've realized, they just don't care about that stuff. Right, right. You're, what you do has to speak for itself. Absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. I was in a band for years. We had... I think seven albums out uh, and toured and played like, you know, over a hundred shows a year and we were really, really busy. And after that band was done, I was like, I'm going to start a solo career. And what's so great about this is there are thousands upon thousands of people who already know who I am. So I've got this, you know, leaping off point to go into my solo career. Guess what? It doesn't work that way. You start over and you start building your fan base from from scratch from yeah. ground zero oh yeah you know? oh yeah and so yeah it's yeah it's kind of this, this thought of like famous people success whatever sure. in people's mind when you think of the word success yeah who's the first person that comes to mind for you uh the people in my life who are who are the happiest huh. you know yeah it's never ever the people in my life who have made the most money because I've met some people who are really really wealthy that are really really down you know, and are they've got this weird balance thing where they've got so much money because they're working so much and they don't have a life outside of that, or they've got all this money and you know just kind of keep to themselves in their free time and they kind of hoard their money or whatever you know and so so success has never been a financial thing for me. It's about are you doing what you feel called to do? And are you doing it enough to where you feel good about what you're doing, you know? So I feel like regardless of who's stepped through the doors of the library recording studio that has any clout or name for themselves, I'm happy doing what I'm doing and I'm successful doing what I'm doing because I just love to do it. Yeah. And I feel like incredibly blessed that I get to do it every day, you know? Like, I walk into my studio, which is a really beautiful experience, you know, like people, I've had people walk into my studio because it's lined with, you know, 4,000 books along the walls and it's got high ceilings and cool lights everywhere and it's all the multiple, gear, all the and gear, all that, yeah, and yeah. lots of vintage gear, lots of vintage keyboards and multiple tracking rooms and a big control room. And like, I had one client who walked in and she literally just, before she had even met me, before we even laid eyes on each other, shook hands, she said, okay. I want to record here. Hi, my name is so-and-so and shook my hand, you know? 
Like it has that vibe. And I recognize when I walk in every day, like I am the luckiest mofo in the world, you know, because there are people who work with 12 other people in a room the size of my control room. And I, I walk into this big studio and I'm the only one who's going to be here for today, you know, and like people tell me all the time, just like, do you realize how lucky you are to be able to do what you love to do in a space like this? And I say, yeah, because people like you remind me every day, you know, and so I don't take it for granted. I think about it every day, you know, Man, so that's success to me, yeah, you know, totally. is that you love to do what you're doing and you're in an environment that you love to do it. Yeah. In. And I don't care if it's a basement, yeah. you know, uh, doesn't matter. Thank you. Do you want another beer? I would take another Kolsch. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed part one of my interview with Matt Patrick. A few minutes ago, he talked about a solo in a project of his called Fathom Lane. The song's called Fingers and Toes, and I'm going to play it for you in full right now. If you like this, feel free to check out their whole album. It's on iTunes. I'll have a link in the show notes you can check out at thecuriouspod.com. But here it is, Fathom Lane, Fingers and Toes. Enjoy. Say you're looking for dominion You say you're looking for release You never asked me my opinion And I'm not sure it's what you need You only get what you can handle Something that I've heard good people say But if they saw what they were missing They shut their holes and run away So cross your fingers and cross your toes They won't say what the devil
Hey guys, this is Rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you, a massive thank you to any of you that have rated, commented, or subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes for this or any of the other interviews I've done or contact info for this guest or any of the others, head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. It's pretty cool. You can click on it. You can see where these have done. If you want to go visit them, if you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show. I'll show. Also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at the Rob Morgan, whatever you, you, you know, the drill. All right. Enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, (laughs) I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast or else I'd have to tell you podcasting makes me thirsty and nothing quenches a podcast thirst whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast. Nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey Hofi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness? I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness because it truly is made of more. That's all. Alright. That's it. Thanks. Uh, I love that crap. All right. Have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? Thanks for being here. (laughs) Say the most random thing you can think of. Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. (laughs) Perfect.